Welcome to Agile Adventures, where we explore concepts, tips, and tricks that help your teams achieve their goals and dreams. Hello, and welcome to the to the New Year's edition of, uh, or I guess post New Year's edition of Agile Adventures with Brian Livy and Jacob Shore. Happy New Year! Yes. So, how how are you doing, Brian? How was your New Year's? You know what? The New Year's it's been pretty good to me. Uh, so far, nothing bad has happened, which is that's good. That's a good thing. Nothing bad has happened. Wow. <laughs> uh-huh. High standards <laughs> uh, during the pandemic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, I could think of some bad things that have happened, but <laughs> yeah. Um, uh huh. So, like you're saying, your flight back was perfect. No, no, no flight attendant gave you the attitude. You didn't actually. Have to... We got we got free upgrades to first class on the way back. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, that's 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 a good omen. It's a good way to start the year. Hopefully, it's a, hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Yeah, I don't know do that. We uh, when we got back, um, the uh, we, we were met by carolers. So uh, you now the whole neighborhood is all festive. It's great. It's been great. I thought carolers are like Christmas. Yeah, but you know what they. I think what's happening here is that um, there's such a need for connection now that they usually they usually do it Christmas Eve and that Christmas Day, but this year they extended it afterward. So we had carolers until like 29th, 28th, 29th. Okay. Actually, even that we took a big walk yesterday, and uh. Like one of those four-hour hikes, um, you know, in the woods and everything, and uh, everyone's just so happy for human connection. Everyone's like waving and excited. <laughs> people are just happy to be around people nowadays. Imagine that. Yeah. Hmm. But okay. in this area, it's very different. Usually, they kind of uh, act like you don't exist. <laughs> Yes. I saw someone that called referred to as the urban scowl. Like, uh, yeah, like humans were not meant to live in in uh, in places with so many people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we didn't we were we didn't evolve to like deal with like millions of people living on your block or hundreds of thousands of people living in a one mile radius of you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, it rained so much and it snowed and so much that half of the wildfires have been doused. It snowed in in, in California. Does it does that? Yeah. So in the mountains, yeah. And ah. in fact, a lot of our a lot of our water table gets filled from snowfall on the mountains that you know later on in the year actually just melts, and then trickles down. Nice, sir. We're 80 feet above average, I believe. Cool. So we got a pass for mismanaging the forests for the past eight years. <laughs> it doesn't make up for like the four years of drought <laughs> from mismanagement. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but yeah, it's better to better to not be in. A... Okay. Anyways. So I think we, we were going to speak about uh, Scrum Masters, uh, a follow-up to our last Scrum Masters edition, where we discussed, um, we discussed- How much that job sucks, right? Yeah, basically how much the job sucks. <laughs> yeah. But now, that, now, now we're going to take it from the perspective, you have the job, how do you actually do it? Right. Which I, I think that most people, don't really take the job seriously. So they don't do it in a way that really helps the team. They become more of a administrators 
just making sure that people show up in meetings and they facilitate it. But that's not what the job is for. Right? Anyone can facilitate a meeting. Yeah. I mean, like, I think people do less than that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think some people do. And, you know, if, if they do less than that, they should be, like, tarred and feathered or something. Some kind of horrible pe punishment. Like, usually I, I just see scrum masters as people who, um, like, Somebody's got to go through the list of people and say, okay, what do you do today? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? You know, and not think too much about it. <laughs> yeah, and actually, it's funny. When, it, when you ask them, what do you do? Most people are getting status, which in Scrum, the whole reason we have like a Scrum board, you know, use a tool like um, Jira or, you know, uh, yeah, you should be able to see from the board what I'm doing. Exactly. So there's no need to talk about it. You don't need status. <laughs> the, the whole thing, I think what people forget is that the definition of Scrum, like the purpose of it, what it is, Scrum is supposed to be a process framework for complex adaptive problem solving. It's a problem solving framework. And so as Scrum Master, you're really the lead problem solver for the process. So what should be happening is that we look at, hey, wh where were we trying to be? What were we trying to achieve? And then look at what did we achieve? What did we actually do? And the Scrum Master should be doing a gap analysis between the two. And if we, if we thought that a certain design would yield certain benefits or a certain process would bring us so far and it didn't, then the Scrum Master should be kind of championing the root cause analysis methods to figure out, well, why didn't we get the benefits that we should, that we thought we were going to get? And then helping the team to figure out what do we need to adjust so we can actually obtain those benefits. Mm -hmm. So it's root cause analysis, problem solving. Given that Scrum is a problem solving framework. Problem solving should be the biggest part of this thing. I'm going to tell you something that I, I'm noticing. Uh, I've been like enough places now that I've started to like notice this pattern. Mm -hmm. At some point, you make a Faustian pact where we say we kind of know the root, root problem analysis is that uh, we had some deeply flawed design decisions in the beginning of our process. Um, and we know that the, the proper agile thing to do would be to actually not, not like address those with a tremendously big refactor or whatever, but like actually address them and come up with a plan to, to fix them. And then, you know, take in and figure out what the path to get from point A to point B would be where our problems yeah. would be no longer problems. But we've decided that we don't want to do that. And we, we made some deal with the devil that what we're going to do is just patch it over until hell freezes over. <laughs> like, and two things are wrong with that situation. The first is that when we make a, a decision, a design decision, the next thing we should do is decide how do we know that that design decision was correct? So we should be writing down like kind of like I think hey, I think I think most people fail before that. <laughs> By not understanding design. <laughs> By not making a design decision. <laughs> now, like there was no decision. You told you had uh you had a developer do something. He did it. He made five design decisions by by default. Right. And they're just there now. Yeah, that's, that's, that is very true. And, it's, and the whole thing, I mean, it's funny, you know, if you look at the word decision in the Scrum Guide, you'll find it eight times. Like, we should be consciously making decisions 
and then trying to find evidence whether or not it's a good decision or not. But you're right. Instead, what we do is not make a decision, do something kind of by default. And then because you do it by default, you don't actually recognize what the decision was. So then you're not validating that it was the right decision at all. You're just hacking. Right? Yeah, I mean, like, listen, like a lot of times the decision is what's on Stack Overflow. <laughs> You know, well, that, that, if, if, if what if what people run on Stack Overflow is is the is the primary determinant of your decisions, then I don't know. Like, does that jive with uh, an agile workflow? Well, I, it's I don't want to say it's completely bad because I really want to encourage people to do some research. When, you know, when they have design problems. You should go out and look to see if someone solved this thing before, right? But should, sure. but should that be the sole determinant of what you decide? If it is, there's something wrong with you. You shouldn't have that job, right? <laughs> I can hire someone from a from from you know a recent graduate from college that can go and copy other people's decisions from Stack Overflow, right? I mean. You could there's there's AI that could do it at this point, you know. <laughs> you kind of can't. You, you shouldn't be trying to earn your paycheck that way, right? But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I hear. I, I'm not gonna. I don't want to like. I don't want to like. Uh, I don't want to like. I don't want to like be down on people because you know you got to make a living, man. But uh, yeah, you know, like uh, I'm not. You know, like I get. I I respect the hustle, but you know, but. You're, you're you're still hustling. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but the, what I would prefer the team do is logically think through what are the biggest um, problems slash assumptions that we're making about what we're building, and go ahead and rank it. So I like listen them out, rank it on the probability that my assumption is true, slash that this problem will actually get worse. And then also by, if it if this assumption is um, not true, we chose this path and what impact would it have on our final product, right? So if you rank it by those two things, then I can I'll multiply them times each other to get a magnitude number. And then you're constantly making decisions and doing investigations off the highest magnitude item. So then if you do it that way, then you're constantly de-risking your architecture, your product, and you'll come out with a better product. Okay, I mean I would need to you to break down that formula again. What are we what are we multiplying by what? So I will look at, you know, what what is what assumptions am I making about the, the architecture or design of my system? That have the highest probability of being false. Oh, okay. Which means I, I screw something, I can screw something up, right? And then so I, I take that number, and usually I do it on a scale of one to ten, with ten being the, the biggest likelihood that I'm wrong with this assumption, right? One being I'm absolutely right. Um, so I take that number, that probability number, and multiply it times an impact number. If this assumption that I made about my design of my system was wrong, how big a deal would it be to the product overall? Mm -hmm. And so if, if I take the, the biggest the probability that I, I made a wrong decision, basically, times the impact that it would have, and I stack rank that magnitude number, and then what I do is I try to figure out, all right, well, based on that, let's test out whether or not that item is correct or not correct. Ooh, catering. It, send them over here next. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, he'd be happy to go. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, I can't uh, send it to America anymore. 
because <laughs> no, we get the highest COVID rates. <laughs> they won't let him on a plane. Like Israel won't let him on a plane without a special. Uh, like you need like some sort of uh, at this point to go from Israel to 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 America unless you're an American. Like, well, he's an American citizen, but I think they they still won't let you. Yeah, we're on the naughty list. <laughs> um. But yeah, like I was saying, like if you take that, if you take the highest magnitude number, uh, you know, from the probability that your assumption was incorrect, um, times the impact it will have if you are incorrect, then what you what you're doing when you're looking for that evidence is constantly de-risking out your product in a very systematic way by whatever has the the highest chance of being incorrect and, and hurting your project the best which means if you keep doing that making changes eventually you'll get to a point where my product is pretty well stable pretty well safe right and i have evidence of it because i've been testing it out and that's what we should be doing in scrum what do you think about this i'm, I'm thinking about it I'm thinking probably most of the most of the like most of the highest impact stuff that would be like uh, like integrations uh, things like uh, you know like I'm thinking like you know like integrations with systems time zones uh, all those things are things that will impact the entire app and you're almost certainly not going to get it right on the first try. Yeah. So. Well, and which is actually, if you think about it, um, I, I agree with you that those are items that take some uh, finagling, you know, a little manipulation to actually get correctly. But those are also, when there's errors, those are the items, like in, integration errors, I've never seen a team be able to accurately forecast how long it would take to fix integration errors. Totally. Yeah, that's this is a big issue. Right. So just think about it. If I if I just did that stuff first, then I know exactly where I stand with the rest of the product. Right. You take care yeah. of the, the hardest stuff first. So you now I can forecast better. But one of the purposes of Scrum is to actually be able to forecast, predict things more accurately. A lot of things also would be like a lot easier to handle if they were thought out in advance. Right. Like, like right now, I'm 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 dealing with uh, I'm trying to fix a system that has. Uh, four different ways to determine a date range in four different places in a code, in the code. Like, obviously it's a mess. Like, determining yeah. a date, date range in one place is terrible. <laughs> like, yeah, obviously, this, like, who thought this would work? <laughs> like, so, and then there's a bunch of, like, comments like, oh, we're going to, like, sunset this method, which they never do, and right. they try this new thing and like eventually integrate all that into the like like it seems like like there are like twice where like there's four places two of those things were like somebody thought like oh i'm just gonna start from scratch right and then like but never did the work of like actually killing you know like it's a Machia machiavellian like you know you know like you know actually kill your enemies right you know that was one of those things <laughs> you know they only let them sit around there like you know this is like you know so um yeah just wasn't thought you know if you would have thought through it and realized like okay this is what it's going to take to actually root out every every case of uh of the old thing maybe you would have done it right exactly and and those are the things that 
um, if you actually think it out and think it through and you attacked it early, better for me to find this out as soon as possible so I can eliminate all the rework that would be caused if I don't figure it out early, right? Like living with that situation where you got four different ways to, uh, to determine a date range and then you're thinking that you're going to have to integrate and so you're working on things in advance in order to start that integration process, that's probably a lot more labor, a lot more work than figuring that thing out front, right? So that's what you want to get rid of, I think. <laughs> he wasn't happy about leaving the show. Those of you that can't see the video, we had a we had a special guest in the, in the Shore household was 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 coming in to say hello, but I, she was she wasn't happy about being removed from the show. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, it, yeah, it's a it's a it's a boy, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I said, yeah, I said she is. He wasn't happy about yeah. exiting the show. Yeah, it's um, cool. Just just yeah, just you know. Don't want, don't want to confuse you or anything. <laughs> so, yeah, so as I was saying, I was thinking about my daughter, right? How she likes to zoom by me. Yeah. But, but yeah, but yeah, the uh, the the big deal is that if you think about these things early and work from that perspective, because again, remember, like the origins of Scrum are in Lean. It's about getting rid of waste. So you want to think about what's going to cause you the most amount of rework if you actually don't figure it out up front. And whatever it is, whatever's going to cause you the most amount of rework, whatever decisions are hardest to back out of, you should concentrate on making those decisions up front and then verifying that they're the right decisions. So it, you, know, you have to create some way to verify it. You can't just say, my design is the best and then not actually create a way to validate that the design is going to do what it's supposed to do. And, and people, what, what people do wrong is they'll actually spend the time to test out the design to see that the design is implemented correctly and working. But again, you forget this is a decision that you're making. So I need to be able to validate that this is the optimal decision. And how do I do that part of it? And, and this, this is what the Scrum Master should be helping to facilitate so that the, the team will actually make the best decisions, right? Um, well, how would the Scrum Master do that? I, I think it's a lot of it's just a matter of, of asking questions. So you propose a design. I propose a design, right? Um, we're going to debate over whose design is the best. But then when I wanted to validate and the Scrum Master should be asking the question, all right, Jacob, you said your design is the best, and we're, we're going to go with that one. How do we know that this design actually was the best? What are we going to see? Right? And ultimately, when we chose between your design and my design, there were some redeeming characteristics that you thought would result from your design, and that's the reason we went with it. You said yours is going to be less work. When we add new features, it'll be faster to add it. It's going to be more maintainable. Well, how do we know that all the boasts that you made about your design are actually true? We should be able to go back on the other end and actually see that, oh, it, it was quicker to actually implement new features with it, right? <laughs> Maybe we should get some evidence. Let's time it, right? If we said it's going to be more maintainable or it's going to be better performance, let's time it. Let's see what the performance really is, right? Can we maintain it better? You know, I ought to go back and see that that was the right decision. And I should do it as fast as possible. Because if it wasn't, better for me to switch early in the process than to actually fully implement it, you know, and months later have to back it out. Which is what most people do, right? We'll fully implement something. And then back it out when, when there's a problem later on, instead of actually figuring out, well, how do we validate 
the main reason for making this decision up front. Or they say, or they just make the make the Faustian pack pack to uh, patch for <laughs> patch forever. Right. Which I mean, I mean, when that happens, like, so you spent a whole bunch of time on the wrong design, um, and you're you're suffering because you, you know, all the benefits you thought you were gonna have you don't end up obtaining and then you suffer through all the time period of having to patch and suboptimal productivity from having to work around it until you feel like ultimately backing out your decision later on and that's a lot of extra labor a lot of lost productivity that occurs in that process yeah yes but the the whole one of the whole points of doing things in iteration is I don't actually necessarily need to solve the whole, let's say there's an interface we're deciding on. I don't need to implement the whole thing right now. I should be able to implement a piece of it in a sprint. Think about how we validate that this design is optimal and this is the best choice. And then go ahead and collect the data. I would rather collect the data and validate the decision before I implement the rest of it. Because if I'm wrong, I can back it out, right? And it's not so, as much labor to back it out. So I've seen a bunch of places. Um, I've seen this a bunch happen a bunch of times. I want to like get your so where basically the the decision maybe was like. Uh, was a good decision, um, but it, in, in the sense that it did it did uh, fulfill all the needs we have now. It just didn't uh, anticipate like possible other, probably obvious other needs that you will eventually right. have. Right? So, yeah. so you don't get any feedback for maybe six months. And six months, you fully implemented the thing. Right. Yeah. So, like, um, you know, like, and and I, I, this has happened to me, like, in multiple in multiple cases, in multiple places, where it was like, yeah, like we, we thought that we thought that our like date ranges are what kills people. Like, I, I found that date ranges are like the bane of so. You thought you were going to have, uh, you know, three fixed date ranges the client could see. Right. Turns out and there was a one point where it turned from three to 12. And then it was like, oh, one of the 12 needs to be any date range he wants. <laughs> you know, yeah, a set that's... of all sets. <laughs> a recipe for a disaster, if I ever heard one. <laughs> but 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 here's the thing like i i, I know what you're getting at and it's, it's like well if, you know if you don't anticipate anything then of course you won't be able to test it out in advance but i think that the mark of any good developer um is that when you're doing your design you're actually taking the time out to go through possible scenarios and you know, this this goes back to kind of what we I talked about in the earlier uh, an earlier taping of actually taking the time to think about different scenarios so you know what to test. It also that same technique of thinking about different scenarios to test will also help you think about different aspects or things you need to anticipate with your design so that you can make the right choice. And I think people skip that step because they're they're so eager to build something right now. Yeah, it's also like a problem of like the engineering mindset, right? Yeah, like of like you gave me those specifications, uh, and I didn't ask you like, well, really, like you want to limit it to this? Like I was <laughs> like I was I was too I was too involved with how can I do all this to like actually right. ask like really like you. Like you only want this, 
Yeah. You know, like, yeah. So, you know, like, you know, like, I think of like James Damore a bit, like, with his, like, he's like, you know, they have a, they have a, they have a thing where they're like, let's come with, up with some, some solutions about how to be more inclusive. And it's like, okay, my problem is to come up with solutions as to how to be more inclusive, you know, like, let's not think about the whole broader context. <laughs> <laughs> Some of this is, you know, and I almost hate to diminish the enormity of it. Um, but the analogy I make is that my wife and I have like a longstanding rule. If one of us is going to a store, we just kind of ask the person if there's anything they want when we're going, right? And get some other eyes on it and to save yourself a trip. Cause you, you know, I don't know how many times this happened to me. I go to the store and as soon as I go and come back, my wife says, oh yeah, um, I wanted this. Well, why didn't you get that while you were there? So you just take the extra 30 seconds and just ask the other person, hey, is there anything else you can think of that you need while I'm out, right? Um, and from a scrum team, it's like, hey, we can take the, you know, five minutes to just go to another teammate and say, hey, I'm thinking about using this design. Is there anything else I need to anticipate? But while I'm actually programming here, is there anything yes. else we might need? <laughs> right. <laughs> Honestly, um, I think. So, like, when you said that, I thought immediately about like, um, I, I, my, my parents also have this thing where they, they ask, they ask, they, they go somewhere and they ask their spouse what they want. Yeah. Uh, so I find that like me and my wife, like, we can never actually like, like if you ask us, like if you ask me, like. I'm like in the middle of thinking something else and you call me up and you ask me like, I'm going to this store, is there anything you want? There's just no way I'm ever gonna like come up with anything. Like it's <laughs> too much concept change. Like I'm focused on like, you know, on like, you know, getting my kid, my two kids to stop killing each other right now. Like don't ask me, <laughs> don't ask me about stuff in the dairy aisle. <laughs> And I, I, I can tell the little one, he was definitely a killer from the way he looked. Uh. <laughs> yes, yes. They're, I mean, no, they're, they're good kids, but, you know, like, uh, you know, like, so. Uh, I'm, I'm teasing, minimizing your pain there. <laughs> yes, yes. So, like, we just have, like, a mutual shopping list that is, you know, lives in the cloud that we, you know, like, that we both refer to. But, like, yeah, we don't, like, I mean, I, I call anyways, and I know the answer is going to be nothing. I can't think of anything right now. Right. Well, and, and that's, well, actually, I, I wouldn't diminish that. That's actually a good technique because I go through a lot of systems of a lot of different people where they're implementing functionality and the scenarios for the functionality that they're implementing do repeat themselves. And if they actually had a running list of those scenarios in the cloud, then they could actually review it and think about those scenarios when they make design decisions in the future. But they, they almost never do, right? It would be, it would be like the like, uh, like the solid manual, right? Or like the design exactly. pattern. Design patterns of the game of, game of four, right? Like they haven't gotten much better than, <laughs> they haven't gotten like so much better in, design, in, in, in software design since then, you know? <laughs> But, you know, just looking through it, it's, it's super helpful. Just refresh your mind. We think that we're going to memorize, I mean, remember everything. But the whole reason we write lists before we go to the grocery store is that your brain can remember everything. I mean, so, if you do, you're, you're by definition stupider, right? You're by definition using a more RAM on things that could be <laughs> in a list. Exactly. So it's like when, if you're going to work, and doing something infinitely more complex like software development, like why wouldn't you take advantage of some of the same techniques to actually make sure that you don't miss things? 
Yeah, I have like I, I have a list of like whenever I whenever I do like uh, whenever I make a feature, I I have like what's I go through like where I ask like is there inheritance here that could be composition? You know, like, mm-hmm. are there, you know, are there are there dependencies that I'm causing that you know could could be could be reverted reversed? By, uh, you know. All these things like you could just like yeah you could just run through your head and you'd realize like every time i make a feature i make a mistake somewhere you know and i just fix it before i make a pull request <laughs> well I, and again better to fix it then than to do it later which, which most people do right happens way later well, i don't know what most people do i mean I, I i don't know like sometimes i think most people just don't give a crap <laughs> what I, I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of truth to that. I mean, in order for you to overlook the types of problems that we see occurring in software development that occur over and over again, and that you actually have to you know spend this whole massive rework effort in order to correct. I mean, you, you kind of didn't give a care up front, right? <laughs> you're you're so focused on building something. That you didn't care about building it right. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's okay. So I I, I feel like we're we're straying off the scrum master thing, like, and <laughs> and, and and getting more into like the people sucking thing, which we, we I promise we wouldn't do. We so, won't, yeah, we won't do that. Yeah, but yeah, so again, but so my thing is like, if you're a scrum master, you should be you should actually be encouraging the developers on your scrum team to have this list of here are the biggest assumptions the biggest problems that we have with developing the software right and then working that list um based upon your ratings of probability and impact and then as a scrum master you should have your own list of here are the process um, assumptions we were making. Here are the process problems that we're running into. And I should have those items ranked in, in the list. And I'm rating them the same way, right? The probability that this assumption is false, right? Times the probability, I mean, times the impact it'll have if it is false. Okay. Right. So we just talked about but when, when should when should you be when should, when should you be doing this that they should be doing it during the sprint so i i don't think it's, it's it shouldn't be an event where you just yeah. try to sit down and actually just write it because you're not going to think of everything there but I, I know as i'm going through and and you and i have worked together there have been times that we've been on slack we've actually just thought about something that you know and said hey isn't this stupid that we're doing this from a process perspective, right? When, when those things actually pop up, the Scrum Master should be making sure that, you know, it migrates from the Slack to some sort of list. Now it could be in Excel, right? Um, and as long as it, it migrates to that list, then you have the ability to actually investigate at some point, rate it, prioritize it, and then the perfect opportunity to discuss the highest rated item from a process perspective, it should be the retrospective. The, the whole point of the sprint retrospective is to look at things that are working well, is not working well with the process and figure out if we can come up with some improvements to our process to make quality and effectiveness greater. And so the items in that list naturally should be brought up during the retrospective, put before it with the whole team. And we should actually facilitate a session where we're actually asking ourselves, hey, what do we do to address this highest risk item? Should it be something that we actually uh, carry forward, you know, as far as a remedy to it, to the next sprint, right? Test it out. And that's the the only way you're going to make improvements is by doing some procedure like that. But most times we just try to do it kind of ad hoc from the top of our head instead of actually being more scientific about it. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm suggesting you put some science behind it. Let's, let's put some metrics behind it. Let's think about how we test it out. And, you know, I have this theory that, you know, people should ask more questions to the, uh, to the product owner instead of actually just accepting, here's what they have on a face value as far as functionality and not anticipating other uses. And so let's test it out. Let's, uh, let's take some sprints, ask those questions, see if we draw out more uses and everything. And then look at the decisions that were made when we didn't actually do those and see which, which periods and what decisions led to the most rework. And hey, if I find out that asking those questions to the product owner up front about other possible uses helped us to brainstorm some things and jog their memories so we were able to come up with a better design, then maybe we do more of that. But now I got evidence to actually back it up and I'm more sure to making the right decision. Takes a little bit of extra effort. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that the, that the, 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 the main, the main pushback you're going to get is in uh, hierarchical, hierarchical, you know, structures where yeah. like the product owners, like, yeah, they don't, they're not like, are the, even the, like the product team is like not particularly accessible to the, let's say the developers working on things. And like, it's just like, yeah, like my job is not to like, like my job is not to like, you know, answer your questions. It's to tell you what to do. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, uh really scrum is designed so hierarchy shouldn't exist right yes the scrum team is is they're equal members um but even when it does exist i think the scrum master's job is not only to root that out but still didn't do this process because even with the hierarchy the decision on how to do things should rest with the team and you still have a responsibility to try to make improvements, yeah. right? And without doing something like this, how are you going to get better? Uh. And yeah, I think that lots of times in different teams, we forget the mission. The mission for the scrum team is to constantly improve, right? Um, the developers ought to be thinking about like how do I get better? Like, you're only a you're only a professional expert in your craft if you're constantly getting better. It's not just about building the product; it's about doing it in the most effective way possible. Who is who is the guy? I forgot his name, but so who's the guy who said, uh, you know, who said, yeah, socialism, great idea, wrong species. <laughs> I've heard that quote, but I can't. I can't place who said it. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to look that one up. Like, like <laughs> I feel like. I feel like. Yeah. So, like, there are, like, as as like as primates, right? We basically like. Yeah, we're basically a hierarchical social order, right? Like, there are times when we're able to suspend our hierarch hierarchies for a greater good right like right but that that's like but that is a uh that's a departure from human nature right like it's like not a natural thing that we do like you know like in war like you know the military is like you know like the probably like the most hierarchical system there is but then like you know when actually during battle like yeah like the hierarchy is pretty much like yes if you could shoot some people you shoot them and shoot you know, them. <laughs> save some people you save them you know <laughs> but like, I, I think you bring up a really good point too and I, I like to delve into that i'm gonna lean into it a little bit like I, I think that um when we talk about process the Scrum master's job, as far as our role on the scrum team, 
is to make sure that we have processes and an environment that is most conducive to actually building the product better and faster. And I think part of that environment is cultural. Yes. So if we have a, a culture of hierarchy where all valid ideas aren't taken well, I, I don't think that the scrum master is allowed to just say, oh, well, you know, I, I have to work within that environment. I think that they're responsible for changing the environment to make it easier to do agile. Yes. And I think we let them off the hook too much, right? Like if, if they're not making it better, they're not really doing their job. If you're not making it better, you're part of the problem. You're part of the problem, right? It, actually, you know, if I go to the scrum guy, specifically the scrum master role is to make things better, right? Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, yeah, the, the, the only thing here is like, you know, we may need to cut them some slack because it's like, maybe like, uh, can we argue that it's basically human nature. Like, you know, like, I, I think it's like cross-cultural this higher, that humans are hierarchical, and, you know, like, yes, like, uh, but yeah, but there is this, there is this, uh, yeah, but, you know, but, but, you know, like, uh, the, uh, the, the, Whatever it's a it's a Talmudic joke, right? It says uh, not a joke, but it's uh, it's a uh, so the, the, the there's a verse that says the uh, in Job that says uh, the uh, the 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 advantage of a human to an animal is none. So. In, in Hebrew, so not so ayin, so it is it, like it could be no or not, you know, like it, it's like not as so. So the thing is like the advantage of the so the the way the rabbis learned it is no. The advantage is that he could say no. You know, like you know, you're not limited by the the the. So yeah, so they 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 learned it to mean like the advantage of a human to an animal is like. An animal, if he, if his, if his nature is to be hierarchical, he's hierarchical. What's he gonna do about it? Like, you know? Yeah. Whereas, yeah, a human, a human, if he wants to, you know, he could say, "Listen, like, I know I'm naturally gonna, like, you know, not want to listen to people who are, who are, who I consider my peons, but, uh, but <laughs> I, I can listen to them. I can do it." <laughs> yeah, but I think that, you know, what we gotta keep in mind is that the framework for Scrum was actually designed to help counter traditional human nature. Like, you know, the, our human nature is when we encounter a problem to avoid it and go do something else that's easier. Yes. Right. And like the whole reason that you have the Scrum Master role being responsible for identifying what those uh, impediments are and actually working on exposing them and, and keeping track to manage it is to not lose sight that our goal requires overcoming the impediment. So you can't just go do something else, right? So pointing out, you're saying pointing out it's an uphill battle is like, <laughs> is, is not a particularly intelligent thing to do. Exactly, no. Like, it's, it's still like, the job. No, right? no kidding, it's an uphill battle. That's, that's what you <laughs> I feel for the fireman who has to, uh, you know, put their life in danger to put out fires, but that's kind of the job. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's what you get paid to do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if, if you're not willing to do it, you, you probably chose the wrong profession. And likewise, if you're a scrum master and you don't want to actually solve the real problems, whether they be cultural or whether it be dealing with your your management and the hierarchy like you shouldn't take the job right there's there's just be a developer right you'll, you'll be happier anyway right <laughs> yeah, yeah you're right you're right yeah no it's not a yeah i'm too i'm too easy on these people yeah <laughs> well i think our whole society is again i'm gonna go back to my initial premise that 
the main job of the scrum master is all about what's our whole society by the way like all people who 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 know a scrum master in their life (laughs) what society is this (laughs) and it's not going to get better until we you know until we kind of take it seriously um and say hey the job is comp no the whole point of the framework scrum is complex adaptive problem solving we gotta actually focus some time on complex adaptive problem solving right that's the scrum master role otherwise you're not meeting the purpose of the framework overall you're not meeting the definition of it right yes yes so you're, you're, you're yeah this is a uh, okay cool so we waste a lot of time because of my insistence that it's a lost cause but uh you know just like last time but i i'm seeing light in the tunnel now i can see i can see how this actually does make sense that uh yes despite the fact that it's a lost cause um uh, like you need to pay someone to do it and you need it and you and you need to succeed at it. Otherwise, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Someone's got to take out the garbage. Yeah. It may not seem glorious, but we can't survive without the garbage being removed. <laughs> yes. Or not be happy and survive. <laughs> yeah, you can serve the Yeah, if you couldn't survive, it would be much easier, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's much easier when the garbage is gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if, if I'm saying like, it's much easier to get any given person to take it out if it's like, okay, listen, we're all gonna die when we get out. Like, you know, <laughs> at some point, it's gonna go out, right? <laughs> you know, like whereas, uh, yeah, here it's like, you know, like my kids, like they'll all like, they'll all sit in like basically like filth. Uh, because like if the other they all view it as the other person's job, to, job. yeah to deal with it you know <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing and you know getting back to the the scrum master's job of creating the right culture right i, I think that if you want your job to be easier and limit in doing problem solving i think you have to actually instill a culture of problem solving amongst the team Right, so I, I want to make sure that I'm telling telling my siblings that it's their job to actually help clean up after themselves at least, so that there's less less mess, and it's not yes. just on me to have to clean up after everyone in the whole household. Like if if we okay, instill that I in think, the culture, I think I think instilling a culture of problem solving is like a whole other episode. You know, like. <laughs> Because that's like, hey, I don't think that's the only the Scrum Master's job, no? Like, I mean, you know, like, there's also like, okay, like, it's not like something that should be entirely handed on from high, like, right. this is this is what our culture will now be. Like, there are, there's a, there's a culture that, you know, there's some, there's probably some platonic idea of a culture problem solving that we would like to attain, and then there are tweaks to get to that, or something like that. But uh, right. yeah, but it's not something that like it's like from now on we will all wear underwear on the outside of our pants. You know? <laughs> no, I think you're right, um, and I, I think we sh- we should actually that would be a good topic. Like, how do you instill that cultural change in a different episode? Like, so maybe we leave it today with the fact that hey, you out there in Viewerland know that you should be trying to instill this culture of problem solving. Yes, and human nature is not an excuse. Exactly. It's not a, yes. You know, so like, yeah, that's the the, the main, so okay, so I'll tell you like the main, uh, where I'm coming from is, you know, coming from a father of an economist, right? Is like on a, on a economic system scale, right? So the, the um, so like economists like to view human nature as a constant. Right. 
you know, like, and they like to say, like, yes. And especially, like, you know, my father has, like, a, you know, like, a Austrian school bent a bit, you know, like, he, he was, like, somewhat close to Milton Friedman and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, like, even more so, but, like, even all of this, like, yeah, the problem with, you know, like, the problem with certain theories that think that that human nature is not a constant is that they all just, you know, are waves that, you know, just like brush up against the wall of human nature and then shatter, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it's kind of hard to, to make predictions without doing that. Um, but, it, but yeah, I think that, you know, to your point, I think we have to kind of, uh, I think we have to put a stake in the ground, so to speak. But we're, but 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 it's a it's a bias. It's a stupid bias. I'll tell you why. Before you tell me why why even even so, I'll tell you that it's a stupid bias because they're talk the the basically the market, the whole premise of economy is that the market is too huge, for like the market is any transfer of value. So it's like basically something that all of humanity is in, right? Like right. all of humanity engage. So yes. Humanity is bound by human nature. This doesn't mean that a small corporation of people, you know, of like, you know, even a million people can't, uh, can't do things contrary to the base humanity of, of, of the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Yeah. And Go on. As I... Well, remember that the method I'm suggesting is based upon taking the probability of certain things that should that could possibly happen and, and addressing the things that have the highest probability of occurrence and so in some way we've got to actually because you can't address everything there's a, there's a making a design decision or a process decision there's a million possibilities that could happen and i can't address each one so in some way i've got to actually prioritize which ones i'm actually going to address and make some decisions over which ones I'm just not going to address. Because it's you no, know, it's gonna to be too expensive to take care of every possibility. Um, so again, you gotta put a stake in the ground and, and in some way make some uh, predictions and say, hey, I think this is more probable than others. And so here's what I'm gonna address, and here's what I'm not gonna address. Right. You can change your mind, but you gotta put that stake in the sand at some point. Okay. Uh-huh. Otherwise, you come up with a, a suboptimal design, suboptimal process. For sure. I'm trying to relate it back to what we were saying, though. <laughs> well, I, you know, again, just in speaking about you know human nature and it being constant, right? I, yeah. I think that I think that the reason we do that sometimes is that it's easier to make these predictions and and to assess. The probability of certain occurrences happening, right? Um, which I think you have to do. I mean, if, if it works, if it works for you to, to actually use whatever model you're using to actually make the an accurate prediction, it's like whatever works, right? Yes. Um, you you gotta you gotta actually decide, make a decision on it. Um, however well, you do I mean, it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, like let's say, like the thing is, like yeah, you could probably predict that human nature and be right more than. 50% like more than 50% of the time the problem is like if your predictions are all like doomsday you know like <laughs> it might not it might not be worth it you know? yeah and well and here's the thing I, I I think you're absolutely right which is one of the reasons that I'm proposing what I'm proposing for the scrum master role like we if we don't actually write these things down look at it test them out to see if our predictions are right we will never change. You'll never even know that you should change the way that you're trying to make predictions. And I, yeah. I think that, I think too often we don't examine these things. We just kind of go with the flow. We're in a routine. So we don't actually solve the problem, right? Um, well, we, don't, we don't actually get better. I feel like I've found that like, and I think this is probably one of my strengths, but like I've found that like, a lot of time there there are certain people who like have more of like a you know finger in the you know finger in the air kind of thing 
Right. Like, it's like, I don't know. I can't tell you exactly why, but I know that we're that there's something wrong with our process. And I know that the problem is in this area and certain people who aren't like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think like, yeah, like some people don't need to be as scientific as others as far as like, you know, like definitely it helps, but like, yeah, sometimes you don't need to actually take logs to realize you're making stupid decisions uh, <laughs> and where those stupid decisions are. But yeah, it does help. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in those circumstances, if, you know, if you got somebody who's a savant at it, it's like, by all means, go what works. What I've been noticing is that people don't have those savants on their teams and they're just not using the tools that are readily available to actually improve their ability to make things better. And I think it's more, it's more kind of laziness than, you know, overlooking things because you're so talented at it. If, if you still get the problem, you know, if I'm sick, I, there's medicine that I could take to remedy my own. Go get it, go to a doctor, you know, do whatever it takes to actually solve the problem, but don't just live with the pneumonia and die, right? <laughs> make some effort to, to make yourself better and live. It's, you know, so last, better. <laughs> last week, so I found a major data leak in, in, uh, in, in, in the software I'm working on. I made a bug card and I found five different places in the code base where people applied separate patches to that data leak. <laughs> the same data leak, like it's a, it was a basic, obvious data leak. Right. And there's five different places where the data leak caused a bug. Someone fixed the bug. And I have like I have like screenshots of everyone in the code on this on this on this on this bug, and they like passed over this data leak, and it's like a tremendous data leak. And then the guy in charge, who was like supposed to be like the P, the, the product owner of this, is like, eh, it's it's so basically the, the data leak was that there was a to retrieve the user. Mm -hmm. so, Normally you would do it from the session, but because there's an edge case that doesn't have it from the session, that 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 maybe that that so that that you're and based on that they do it from this other function, and that function sometimes returns none. Right. Like and they and there's nothing in that function that says, okay, well, if it's none, you're gonna take the thing from the session. So, yeah. So like, but you know, like it's it's like it's like not only it's like not only simple, it's also simple to fix. Uh, but like the guy was like, oh well, probably it's because the per if it can't find a user, it's supposed to be logging them out anyways. And I was like, so you want to instead of actually logging them out, you want to like make this make this this transaction fail, still get them in time. Still give them like, full full access to the to the app <laughs> and not log them out. <laughs> and like, yeah, it just was like, I don't know, like the level of like of ostrich syn syndrome you need, like to like to like not it's just like I'm still trying to grok it, but I don't know, like I think it, it has to be more than laziness. But so this is a good case in point. Um the, the whole premise behind root cause analysis and problem solving yeah. is that if you don't actually solve the root cause, whatever generated the problem that you initially were encountered with, then more than most likely, whatever the root cause is will generate more of that problem, even if you fix the symptoms, right? Like, yes. I, and, and, this is, I mean, what you just brought up is a great case in point. We, if you don't actually do the root cause analysis, like why were they choosing to do things that way? They're going to make those same choices in other similar decision-making circumstances, right? Yes. So you'll, you'll have more memory leaks, right? 
I mean, I found another, I saw five patches. I found four places, one patch, and that was, and I didn't do a full, you know, I didn't do a grip search of the, of the database. I just was like, right. oh, this is what I found, you know. Put all my findings in a card, and like, it's like, ah, low priority, not a big deal, you know. <laughs> like, it's much, much better to do all these other cards that are, you know, that come from this, you know. <laughs> which exactly the other cards that come from that same problem which there'll probably be a whole bunch more uh bad patches because of those right I mean, yeah. the patches I, I was like and then he was like what's wrong with the patches and i was like well no i think if the patches are good we should put that in the actual function that does it like no i'm not <laughs> telling you the, i'm not i'm not i'm not commenting on whether or not the patch is good or not like <laughs> that 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 I I think you should reserve that until for assessment, but like right. if it is good, it should be in the function itself. <laughs> See, and it's funny because like you know we talk about scaling, um, you know I've heard someone describe scaling in the simplest terms, which is taking good things that I've done in one area and making sure that it's shared in other areas right and you know the, the root cause analysis that problem solving step is what enables this to happen and I, again i think that you know going back to your, your comment about human nature human nature is not to take the time to do that and unless you have the scrum master role as a designated point person to make sure that these types of good practices occur it just won't happen because not in people's nature, they're not going to do it naturally. Right? But I, I get a car. My job is to implement this car. It's not to look at the greater ramifications. What happens in the entire system? Yeah. So it won't happen. Okay. Well, that's a pressing note. I think we got to go. But uh, <laughs> I like your idea, time. though, of uh, of having a, another episode just on like, you know, here's how you actually change the culture, though. Yeah, so next, next time we're going to do that. So I'm going to write it down somewhere so we don't have to listen to this whole episode to remember that. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, I'm actually going to put it in the... See if I can, I'll do it in the invite. Okay. So yeah. Cool. All right. So uh, next week, same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, I'm a fan, everyone. All right. Peace out.